This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Great podcast today. Uh, we cover all of it, including the congressman to leave. Cry fast. She went nuts yesterday. Um, but we cover it all. Your economy, what's happening with your kids in school. Uh, we talk to that. Just that guy who just celebrates drunk driving. Oh, yeah. Big oh. drunk driving proponent, Big. Thomas Massey. <laughs> T-Mass. <laughs> Huge. Huge. Uh, and so much more all on today's podcast. Brought to you by Jace Medical. I have to tell you, Jace Medical is the, is the go-to place. They have solved a puzzle for me I have tried to solve for years. And that is, if, if I want to really, truly be prepared for, you know, some sort of shortage, some sort of impact on the country... What happens to drugs, essential drugs, you know, your heart medication, your insulin, uh, antipsychotic medication or depression medication? What do you do? Well, Jace Medical. They started with five essential antibiotics, which treat the most common and deadly bacteria infections. It's customizable. Dozens of add-on medications available. You can choose the ones that best fit you and your family's need. They also have ivermectin as an add-on option. Jace is simple. You go online, you fill out a form, get the prescription. Life-saving medications delivered right to your door. You can have them delivered up to a year in advance, so you have a year's supply. JaceMedical.com. Enter the promo code Beck at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Beck, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. All right. Do we have Dom on? Dom Theodore. He is uh, the program director of this program. Uh, he's actually the guy who saved my career about 20 years ago and told me, what are you doing listening to everybody else? Uh, your show sucks when you listen to everybody else. Why don't you do what you want to do? And I said, you know, I'm going to try that because they're going to fire me anyway. And... Uh, and now here we are, all these many years <laughs> later. Dom, how are you, sir? I'd say it all worked out for you pretty well. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Uh, so, Dom, l- let's talk about what happened uh, in Michigan uh, last night. Something miraculous happened in your township. Yeah, it, it's really one township over from where I live. There's been, um, I think this audience is very familiar with the uh, CCP-run uh, um, Goshen Battery Factory that uh, the state of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, tried to shove down our throat here locally and continues to, by the way. Um, but what happened was there were a number of local officials that early on kind of signed on to that project in a shroud of secrecy. They used secret uh, code names for it, like Project Elephant. And they kept the community in the dark. Well, the community eventually found out about it. Um, but, of course, it was by that point uh, after the board had committed resources and taken votes and 
you know, supported Goshen, um, and it was really too late for the public to, to respond. And uh, so the public went into action and signed recall petitions for um, all the board members for Green Charter Township. Um, eventually, a couple of them had resigned, so there were only five left that didn't resign. Uh, and last night, every single one of them was replaced um, in the recall election. We clean swept all five of those seats. In addition, there was another seat for the township supervisor in Big Rapids Township. Um, unlike the Green Charter Township Board, the Big Rapids Township listened to the public and everyone except their supervisor, um, Bill Stanick, um, had uh, decided to go with what the public uh, had, uh, had wanted, which was not supporting Goshen. Um, the only one that wouldn't change his mind was Bill Stanick. He also was recalled last night and replaced. So what does so, this mean? Um, because you have, a, you have a Chinese communist company coming in here to build batteries. Uh, it's, it, it has in its charter that it has to have a, you know, a, a young communist club and all kinds of crazy stuff. But Whitmer brought all of this stuff in jammed it through the town councils they all said okay so is this going to stop it or or what is this here's the worst part is they did all this with our tax dollars i mean that's that's the thing the money that lured them here and is paying for most of this is michigan tax dollars Unbelievable. so that's the, that's the worst part there's a development agreement in place um that the previous board left over um and, you know, obviously the new board is going to look at that um, with, uh, with, with an attorney and see what the options are as far as getting out of it. There's a number of things that, um, you know, Goshen in the past has basically been able to come in and steamroll over the community uh, and against the, the public's wishes. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting, the former um, township supervisor, Jim Chapman, completely refused to take a public survey at any point. Because he knew that this was going to be the result. And by the way, the Glenn, Glenn the margins weren't even close. We, we won by like 70% in most cases. Jeez. So th- there, it was clear that the community didn't want this project, never wanted this project. And, you know, now we have a new board with fresh eyes, as you said, that will look at every option um, that's on the table and, and see, um, you know, how they can get out of the development agreement and possibly, uh, you know, some other remedies as well. Mm. So, but what they're going to find now is that it, the township boards are not going to roll over like they have been. Good, good. Well, congratulations, Tom. I know you guys have worked really hard on this, and uh, you know, standing up to not only Whitmer um, and all of the the state's uh, machinery, but also the machinery of the CCP is not easy. And here's good guys winning. So keep it up. Believe me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. There were so many people involved oh, in the community all came together, and we can use everyone's help at protectmacosta.org because there's still obviously – there's actually a lawsuit uh, as well to try to, to stop them. So um, there's a C3 uh, ch- you know, um, a nonprofit set up to help tax-deductible donations at protectmacosta, as in Macosta County, M-E-C-O-S-T-A, Dot org. Thank you very much, Tom. Like Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. God bless. So Me that's too. that's some good news. Um, some good news. Taxpayers 
went and said no to higher taxes all over the country. If I were not the guy that I am uh, and, you know, hadn't done my homework, didn't wasn't paying attention in Ohio, I would have voted against or, or for the uh, the abortion uh, proposition, because to me, the way it was worded is so misleading it was, you know, they, you know, the state's going to be able to have it'll be in the Constitution. Somebody can get in the way of your wife's miscarriage, you know, and have to manage that for her. What are you talking about? Uh, it was horrible the way it was worded. And I think there were a lot of people that fell for it, quite honestly. Um, it wasn't honest. However, it could be that people just are cool with abortion. I, I don't know. I don't know. And if that's the case, then we are going to deserve everything our country gets. Yes. You know, that is where this is going to end, sadly. Um, but you're right. The wording was re- completely ridiculous. Bringing up things like birth control, which no one was fighting against, fertility treatments, which no one was fighting against, miscarriage care, which no one was fighting against. I mean, there was one really interesting thing. I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was something like the right to be able to keep your own pregnancy. Which, like, I, is there a movement of people just walking down the street pointing at pregnant bellies and saying, end that one? I don't know. Maybe there is. <laughs> I've never, no, I've never, I've never heard it. it. I've never heard it. So now, the in the Constitution is the right to abortion. Um, and another measure that they voted for to um, legalize marijuana. Margins on both ballot measures, not even close. Abortion and marijuana both won by double digits. Congratulations. Yeah, not, totally. Uh, by the way, totally expected. I mean, this is yeah. not a surprise at all. It was something we talked about yesterday that was going to happen. And it's unfortunate. And now Ohio basically is California, you know, on abortion. And I know, look, while some people are That's certainly we were not for the uh, um, the constitutional vote over the summer. That was the that was the vote that mattered. Yeah. This one. We knew this was going to happen once the first one happened. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, if you. There are people that are certainly to the left of us when it comes to the life issue, uh, and maybe the people of Ohio are in that category, but they're not as far left as California and New York and Illinois, and now they've got the same laws, So, and it's constitutionally enshrined. So it's going to be hard to remove, but that is what this is all about. And the point is changing people's minds over a long period of time. It's you know it's not always going to be done with the law. You can't just depend on votes. You have to be able to convince people over a, a very long period, and it's important because what we're talking about here are children living. And I know that's a quaint little idea that we're not allowed to talk about anymore, but we we kind of think that children should be alive. Uh, looks like the Democratic. Party held on to the governor's mansion in Kentucky, the Senate in Virginia. Uh, they managed to flip the Virginia House. Um, the biggest win came in two ballot measures in Ohio that we just told you about. One race in the Virginia House was really close, and I don't have, can you see if they've called this race yet? Uh, Susanna Gibson. Did it go to Susanna Gibson or did it go to David Owens? Um, it was too close to call in the middle of the night, but Susanna Gibson, if you remember, is the nurse practitioner who, you know, people talked about because she made videos of her performing all kinds of things by request for payment, uh, in her, uh, bedroom. It appears that Owen did win that race. Owen did win. it. Yes. So not, I mean, not her. 
And probably the the port issue probably is the difference here. It was only about a three percent race, uh, about nine hundred votes, give or take. It was the Jeez. was the difference in this race. So probably, I mean, maybe the who knows? Maybe she's going to lose by twenty points, and the porn thing got her close. I don't know, but I, my guess is the difference here was uh, this scandal uh, that came out. Uh, you have the Mississippi governor Tate Reeves, a second turn for him. The um, the uh, Democrat conceded last night. The assembly in New Jersey remains solidly blue. It was a Democrat clean sweep. Uh, Long Island goes Republican. Uh, so we got we got Long Island. Uh, Colorado voters rejected property tax measures backed by the Democrats. Um, in Maine, they voted against a new state utility. Um, and they said they wanted to change their constitution um, and put it, it remains in the constitution. But for some unknown reason, at least to me, they took it out of the printed constitution and it's all of the uh, tribal obligations that Maine has that, you know, 200 years ago they made to the uh, Native Americans and the people there. But it's full of white people. So you would expect this. Um, oh, you know, they I, said, hey, we should put that back in our Constitution so we all remember what we uh, where we came from and, you know, our obligations. So those racists up in uh, Maine, they voted to uh, restore that. White people are the worst. Am I right? No. Uh, Whitmer and uh, Jackson Lee. Okay, so here's it is. Uh, here, here's uh, it's Whitmire actually. It's uh, Senator John Whitmire mm-hmm. running for the mayor's role in Houston, running against Sheila Jackson Lee. Exciting, exciting race. They're going to go to runoff there. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you're going to have whew, one of the two. Uh, you know, yeah, Whitmire she, would probably be the better one, right? More over elder. Sheila Jackson Lee. <laughs> yes. Just for comedic. Just uh, for comedic she, that's purposes. True. For our purposes. We don't live in Houston. Yes. So for our purposes, Sheila Jackson Lee would be a better mayor yeah. because we would get constant. Co- I uh, cannot com- believe that Sheila Jackson Lee is actually being considered by a good number of people in Houston. That, that's that's insanity <laughs> really is incredible. I mean, all of this, all of this just goes to show you that we are not a nation. You know, it is not an open and shut case. Everybody knows it's going to be close, but I don't think that it is actually running in our favor when it comes to, uh, you know, the poll numbers. I, I don't think I mean, I don't think this is an open and shut case. By any stretch of the imagination, in what for way? any of these presidential candidates. Oh no! I mean, I, uh, look, I I think that's definitely true. I mean, this is it's it's not easy to win presidential elections. Now you do have a very very weak candidate running for re-election, at least currently, in Joe Biden, which makes it possible for possible, po- but it's not obvious by any means. You know, here's the, I was looking at the Texas results, and they voted on what was it? Voted here in in Texas, fourteen different propositions. Um, only one did they reject. They said yes to all fourteen of them except one, and that one was raising the mandatory retirement age for state judges. 
<laughs> so the the state constitution would be amended to increase the mandatory retirement age for Texas judges from 279 from 75. So the one thing they rejected out of all of these, and it's like creating funds for water and creating funds for internet and all these other things. The only thing Texas voters rejected were like, no more old people. Please, no more old people. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, let me give you a couple of uh, stories here real quick, and then uh, I'm going to have somebody explain uh, some of these things. First of all, President Biden signed an executive order last Monday And it was, you know, we're just trying to strike a balance between innovation and regulation of artificial intelligence. What it does is it gives the left a free pass into capturing the most important technological advancement, possibly of all mankind. They're using the Defense Production Act, and it gives the government oversight and regulatory scrutiny of the industry by creating new reporting requirements, interagency coordination and handling AI. It calls for the development of new technological standards and tools for the evaluation of AI systems. It also uh, calls for AI companies to report on training, security, testing, dual AI models, blah, blah, blah. It also requires AI developers to provide safety test results and to make sure that we're baking in DEI. Perfect. By the way, it also is in the regulations. It allows the federal government to look through every line of code in software. I don't know. That sounds like a problem. So controlling AI is the first story. The second story is coming from the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, looking for digital equity. This is a power grab that is unlike any power grab ever uh, in the FCC history. This will grab all of the uh, Internet and give the United States government and this administration with the FCC complete control of every aspect of the internet. We have a federal communications uh, commission commissioner, Brendan Carr with us now. Uh, Brendan, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Thank you. Can you explain what this means? Yeah, well, look, first of all, I think you're, you're right to put this in a, in a broader perspective. There's a lot of individual actions that are taking place right now in the government that could just look like sort of unconnected, disconnected, isolated pinpricks. But right. But to your point, in the switch analogies, there's a far, far broader mosaic that is taking shape. And we have to wake up and take a look at it. So as you noted, um, the Biden administration has this AI executive order. And look, I'm all for sort of putting some, you know, common sense guardrails in place. But this thing goes way beyond towards government control. And there's lots of other pieces going on. As you mentioned, uh, President Biden has called on the FCC here, where I work, to put in place a digital equity plan for the Internet. And that plan would have the FCC, for the very first time ever, uh, assert intrusive new controls and regulation of the Internet. Literally every feature of the service, the speed, the latency, the pricing, how long installation times go, um, 
and where internet can be built or not built for the very first time. I mean, we have never put a regulatory regime like that in place in probably 50 years at the FCC. You have to go all the way back to sort of the, the New Deal era when we were regulating the mobile telephone monopoly, a point in time in which there was virtually no distinction between the private sector and the government. And one other piece of this real quick, just two days ago, Jim Jordan put out a new report that showed that the government had been colluding to censor Mm -hmm. the free speech rights of private citizens. And so this is all part of one plan, whether it's jawboning social media, whether it's AI, or whether it's this digital equity plan that we're going to vote on at the FCC next week. It's all about government control. I certainly think it can be used for nefarious purposes, but also it's just, it's fundamentally a rejection of what we are as a country. It's a rejection of free market capitalism. I have my concerns with, with big corporations, don't get me wrong, but this is absolutely sort of a progressive approach that uh, r- really feels like, you know, Bernie Sanders has captured the FCC. Well, I mean, I, I will tell you, if you're building the same kind of system, the last time it was seen uh, was Ma Bell. Look what that did to that technology. It wasn't until we got out of the phone regulation business that we had answering machines and call waiting and uh, all kinds of uh, wireless communication. None of that stuff. I mean, I remember when it used to be really expensive to make a long distance call. I don't pay. I can call China today and I'm not paying extra for it. I mean, everything changed when the government got out of that business. Well, you're right. Look, in in a couple years ago, six years ago, um, we ended this Obama-era experiment with heavy-handed regulation of the Internet called Title II. It was branded uh, in the public as net neutrality because that sounds like a very positive thing. Who could be against net neutrality? But what we saw the last time they tried to do this with heavy-handed controls was a decrease in investment in this space. And when we repealed Title II, uh, in 2017, if you remember, it was a total uh, sort of apocalyptic prediction. It would be the end of the Internet. CNN ran a banner headline, end of the Internet as we know it. Well, what's happened since then? Internet speeds are up six-fold. Uh, prices are down relative to inflation. Prices for actually heavy regulated industries like utilities, water, power, sewer, the prices for those services have increased at two times the price as Internet. And so, again... Uh, you know, we have this approach where the Biden administration's policies are failing and they're looking for a scapegoat and it's the private sector. And what they're doing instead of, you know, riding the ship is they're going further to the left. And their view essentially, I guess, is that we've really never tried real command and control regulation of the Internet. But that's exactly where we're heading now. So what does this mean to people like me um, and the blaze um, under this kind of regulation will will I have to jump if I were starting the blaze like I did, you know, 12 years ago, nobody was doing it. We had to make our own rules and make our own way and make our own technology to do it. Um, could you it w- under this? Can do I have to jump through extra hoops? Do I have to, you know, be, you know, uh, DEI loving or anything else? Well, look, you know, this is the this is putting the FCC in charge of entire industries that we never regulated before. Before, as you know from your from your background, it was sort of broadcasters, and it was to some extent ISPs themselves. But now we say, if you are at all in the chain of this, you know, communications space, 
you're going to be sort of newly subject to the FCC. Whether it reaches as far as you, I, I don't think so, but it also doesn't need to because the broader plan, whether it's you know the censorship industrial complex that we're seeing right now uh, or the Title II approach where the FCC is asked in that proceeding whether they should be blocking uh, IP addresses, you know, the broader plan is one that certainly, you know, brings you within the realm of the federal government wanting to, to control. And it's, you know, it's good that you got up and running uh, in, in a very different regime. Um, but we have to change course here. And I think, you know, litigation is one aspect. Thankfully, there's a lot of favorable Supreme Court law right now um, that is reigning in the administrative state. Uh, and I hope that that, you know, is is something that happens here. Because again, if you step back, people look at, you know, the presidency and the House and the Senate and how often those change hands. But the administrative state, the alphabet soup of agencies in Washington, D.C., has been under the control of Democrats for approaching 12 out of the last 16 years, a very important period of time for economic growth in this country. Um, and so it's a good thing that the Supreme Court is starting to uh, look at some of these power grabs that the agencies are attempting to do. With the FCC involved, let me switch gears over to the uh, use of A.I., what is what is the FCC's role with AI? It shouldn't be much, but this executive order does direct the FCC to play a role. And I've, I've seen this before. Look, I spent a lot of time in Europe, in Brussels, in this job, uh, talking with my colleagues over there. And Europe has a very, very different approach when it comes to new technology. They hold roundtables. They hold listening sessions. They hold salons. They look at it. They spin it around. And on the front end, before they let anybody use it, it's got to be acceptable to the government. The U.S. historically has taken a very different approach. Right. That's why Silicon Valley developed here. Yes. That's why the you know, Internet giants, for good or for bad, are based here because of permissionless innovation. And what the Biden administration is doing with this AI executive order is the exact playbook that I have seen take place in salons all across Brussels for the last 10 or 15 years. And it's resulted in innovation really getting squeezed in Europe. And you don't see them leading on 4G. Yeah. You don't see them leading on 5G. You don't need them seating on, you know, search or social media. And so it's concerning to me that we are going to sort of, you know, down level the playing field there. This, uh, this will leave all of this. Yeah. This will leave all of this to China. Right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, all of these constraints um, are not taking place in China. And there's a very unlevel playing field. I mean, our uh, Internet providers, uh, sorry, our online companies here, social media, are not even allowed to do business in China. Uh, and so it's a very asymmetrical regime already. And so, yeah, we have to be very careful um, that we don't hold back, uh, you know, positive entrepreneurship from America. Are you concerned? And I know this is, you know, a little far afield from from what you do, but the AI um, order, the executive order, uh, calls for uh, regulations that will allow the federal government to look through every line of code in software. That seems uh, a little terrifying. I know that the government, I don't know who to root for on getting AI first, but I know our government has been looking, trying to develop AI. This gives them, this gives them the keys to all AI, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really a disturbing overreach. Again, this isn't sort of a, uh, a conversation about regulatory philosophy around the edges, you know, where we're talking about, you know, between the 40s, I can agree, I can disagree. What we're seeing is really a pretty hard lurch to the left. And it's a view of the administrative state and a view of government that we haven't seen 
ever. In, you know, decades. Have we, yeah, right. Have it, we ever it, seen it, Because this, you described this as the old Soviet Union. I think you were the one that described this as the old yeah. Soviet Union. Um, you know, the regulatory state really just taking everything on. Do you stand by that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this, this digital equity plan that Biden has asked us to put in place, it is predicated on a less than one page provision that was tucked into the 2021 infrastructure law, less than one page. And it has sort of very high level uh, language about making sure that people don't discriminate in the provision of broadband going forward. It's fine as far as it goes. But the FCC, at President Biden's urging, uh, has just read effectively thousands and thousands of pages into that one-page law that Congress never passed. And yes, again, it, it is part of this broader play to empower the administrative state, and, uh, and, and I think that's a problem. Well, thank you for bringing it to our attention. I appreciate it. It's voted on next Tuesday, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, is it not? Yeah, this will pass. Next Wednesday is, uh, is the open meeting at the FCC. Uh, it will pass out of the FCC. Um, but again, I think it's important that people still make their voices heard. There is a chance that um, some of the more extreme aspects of this could get walked back before that uh, vote. And so I do think it's important for people to talk about it. And then again, I think we have a chance, a good chance here um, on litigation, on appeal. But, but the businesses also that are regulated need to push back. I mean, look, there's big corporations in this country have been playing footsie with the government for, for various reasons including because the infrastructure law that this was a part of included $65 billion for um, internet builds in this country. And so there's sort of a, a broader warning sign here, a lesson that, that big companies need to learn, which is when you take this type of funding from the government, it comes with strings yes, and the strings are getting worse and worse and worse. So we've got to be careful. Thank you. Brendan Carr, FCC commissioner. Appreciate it. God bless. You're listening to the best of Glenn Beck. Need a little more? Check out the full show podcast. We welcome back to the uh, program a good friend, actor and producer, and dare I say it, activist, Kirk Cameron. Ooh. I know, that's a bad word, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, but I've, I've been given worse words. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a few labels nowadays. <laughs> but you really kind of have, I mean, I think we all have. If you care about what's going on in the country, you can't sit around anymore. No, I think those days are over. At least I hope that they're over. Because there are others on the other side who are not sitting around. They yeah. are reformers. They're yeah. not sitting on the couch watching CNN uh, or, or, or Fox sort of crying about a Republican, conservative, Christian win here or there. They're saying, uh, we've got a ground game and we're relentless. We're not going to stop. And I think we could learn a lot of lessons from them. Yeah. Scholastic, uh, Scholastic they um, have had their book fairs for years and we've over a hundred years. Yeah. And we've all grown to trust that brand as Disney <laughs> and they've kind of gone the way of Disney. Haven't they? That's right. That's, that's right. Um, they, they have, they're, they're now controllers in part of the woke matrix and they're so massively influential. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever wondered when you watch these videos of moms at school boards uh, screaming and yelling about this sexually explicit content, this nudity, this pornography coming down to elementary school kids, where does this stuff come from? Is it the board members? Is it the librarian who's into this weird stuff? No, there's a wolf in grandma's clothing to use the Little Red Riding Hood metaphor, and that wolf we have discovered is the world's largest publisher and distributor of children's books, which is Scholastic. 
They're a billion-dollar company around for over 100 years. They have over 100,000 book fairs across the country, hundreds every single day in public and private schools. And the books are increasingly laced with gender-confusing, race-infused, pornographic, sexually explicit material that you can't even advertise on Facebook. The conservative Christian conglomerate Meta (laughs) is even saying you can't show that stuff. And those are adult standards. That's not even pointing out the fact that these are images and content for minors. How is this even... Honestly, how is this even legal or possible? Didn't what was the state that just passed the law that if a if you can't say it on FCC regulated airwaves, mm. you can't use it in schools. That's right. And I, I don't understand it when these school boards will sit there and say as parents will angrily read a book yeah. that their kids brought home and they'll say that's not appropriate. What do you mean it's not appropriate? We're all adults. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Glenn and, and, and Stu, I want you to know that that I'm not using hyperbole here. I didn't believe this until I bought the books and I read them myself. I'm holding them up here and we've got Welcome to St. Hell. We've got Stars in Their Eyes, Rick, Melissa, George, all sorts of, of books. And in there is literally instruction manuals for preteen children on how to uh, have sex as another gender and how to turn your female tiny sex organ into your very own two inch willy by injecting yourself with hormones. You've got underage drinking clothes off in bed. You you've got scars from top surgery, breast removal, pictures, drawings, cartoons, all of this. What age? These are for eight to 12. Oh my God. And then it goes younger when it really gets into books like uh, Julian is a Mermaid, where you have a grandmother who is what can only be described by me as grooming her grandson to explore the world of drag. These are for little kids. These are like kindergarten, first grade stuff. Oh my God. And so you're now talking about... Studies in from the United States government that reveal that you expose children to sexual material early, you increase their odds of being victimized, of going you, down aberrant trails. We all know this. We've known this forever. If you're a parent, you know all of this stuff. And the fact that there are federal laws prohibiting the distribution of pornographic and obscene materials for minors because it's harmful to them doesn't go away when you put it into books like a this cartoon. and say that they're educational it doesn't make them less obscene and any less harmful and so we've got to wake up uh, and, and and not just frankly yell at the school board because they're heavily invested they haven't read every book in their library and the books are laced it's like it's like uh you know you get halloween candy that's laced with fentanyl you don't necessarily know that it's there but scholastic is lacing their books with obscene material in the middle of the pages with benign looking covers so they don't even know it's there So what we need to do is say, now that we know, now that we're exposing it, uh, let's stop yelling at the school board, turn around in the board meeting, look at the parents and say, hey, mom and dad, what are you doing? Why are you dropping your kids off here seven hours a day to be indoctrinated by these people? Don't you understand that the whole point of this is to separate you from your children? You sexualize children, you drive a wedge between you and them. 
and they will go down roads mm-hmm. because of their natural curiosity and their impressionable minds with teachers who are pushing this stuff. Yes. And Scholastic, former CEO, is saying we're, we are committed to putting more and more of this material in more and more channels as we possibly can. In fact, they apologized to the leftist organizations when they pulled back a little bit in some of these book fairs and put these uh, LGBTQ obscene other type uh, off to the side. They put it off to the side and said, this is an, an optional package you could order. No, 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 no. They want it mainstream front and center. And so they apologized and doubled down on their efforts. Mm. This is Scholastic, the so what thousand you, pound gorilla in the space. So what are you doing? Because um, you have been great in libraries. Uh, you're you are on this and becoming. Wait, the are they let it, allowing you in libraries now? I thought you were getting kicked out of libraries. Mm. That, that was your thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they let you inside. They're so inclusive; they don't let me in the front door. <laughs> right? Yeah, but you can get in. But you can get in window. because this is America. Yes, <laughs> right. and this is America. Um, and there are many, many libraries who actually want us to come. So, yeah, um, we we have two two things that that I'm doing to sort of as a proposed solution to this horrible wolf in grandma's clothing. Uh, one, we've created a PDF so that parents can download the PDF and see everything that I'm talking about. Page, book number, author biographies, all of this stuff. You can show it to your fellow par- parents in the school. Show it to your principal. Show it to your librarians and school board members. Make them aware of what's going on. And then uh, don't just stick it to them to figure it out. Um, we have actually created uh, a nonprofit. It was started by a concerned mother called SkyTree Book Fairs. You can replace these harmful scholastic book fairs with helpful, wholesome book fairs with 500 books that have all been vetted and screened to take out all of the nasty pornography and the critical race theory and the race stuff. And they're about wholesome, good values. And we already have over 700 public and private schools that have already begun the process of replacing Scholastic with SkyTree book fairs. And the first one is coming up uh, next month in Spotsylvania, Virginia. First one. Public school superintendent of the, of the district is so excited about this. They have gotten rid of Scholastic. They're putting in uh, SkyTree book public fairs. school. Public school. How yes. are they getting away with that? Oh, because, because they can. They can choose what book fairs they want or don't want. The reason that so many public schools and private schools go with uh, Scholastic is a they're trusted, right? It's it's you you think so it's grandma. Disney. You don't re- you don't know that grandma yep. was eaten up by the wolf, yeah. and now he's dressed in this trusted clothing called Scholastic. Um, B the schools actually get money from the books that are sold at the book fairs, right? There's a percentage that goes back to the school, so they're that's part of their budget. Does that happen with the, the SkyTree books? Um, that's a good question. I I believe it does. I believe that they get. They get funds that come back to them to invest in more books like this and more programs yeah. that reinforce these values. So how do you other. first of all, how do you get the, the PDF, the PDF? You just go to skytreebookfairs.org. It's a nonprofit skytreebookfairs.org. Download the PDF. Uh, it's really easy. You can text it to people, uh, email it to people. And also there are instructions there on how to begin the process of bringing Skytree Book Fairs to your school. It's fantastic. Well, it, it, it's an option. And this is this is what's exciting about living at this time. Glenn, you just said you're born for a reason, on purpose, for a purpose, at a specific time, for these problems. 
I think that's why we're sitting here right now. It is. Isn't, isn't it mind-blowing to think, Stu, that before the stars began to shine in the universe, God knew that you and Glenn and I would be sitting here talking about just such an absurd reality that we live in, and then having do ideas to do something, do about, something it. about it. And we can do it together and you know, make a difference. Is what's really amazing to me is he has that for everybody. And how many people have been convinced by evil that they don't have a purpose? There isn't mm. anything they yeah. can do that they, they uh, shouldn't pay attention or they will get in trouble if they you know, stand up for things. All of these lies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because our schools, uh, again, real, real education, I think, has been eaten by the ravenous wolf and replaced well, I mean, with something else. So, so when you take God out of the picture, you don't have what you're saying. You right. don't have meaning and identity and purpose other than this is how bacteria reacts at these temperatures. Right. After billions of years, right. cancer cells, why discriminate? Cancer cells from other cells. They're just trying to, to, to survive as well. No, no, no. There is good. There is bad. And there is purpose. And, and as, you're going th- as you're going around America and you're doing these things, what are you feeling? I'm feeling that we are living in, in really exciting times. Uh, revival, great awakenings, people snapping out of their stupors uh, have always happened in this country and around the world during times of moral collapse, spiritual apathy, economic decline, and political corruption. Yeah. And warfare. I think we're <laughs> due for I one. Think, no, I think we are <laughs> They too. tend to happen about every 50 years. Yeah. I think this... I think this... Uh, this is what I'm sensing. This Israel thing has also awakened a lot. Not, not, just, not just the bloodthirst uh, on October 7th. But also the bloodthirst that's in our own streets. I think people are going, wait, 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 wait a minute. What? You're for what now? I think there's a lot of people that were just kind of coasting along and just, you know, living on the, you know, the fringes and just kind of like, I'm not going to take a stand that are seeing things now going, wait, wait a minute. This is not what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. You know, when you have a beer and you kind of have that buzz that sort of dulls your senses a little bit and everything just kind of seems like it's floating along. I I feel like because of our prosperity, because of our comfort and the ease with which we can go through days and just pick up a latte and Uber to the, to the cafe, we've sort of been in this, this, this dull minded buzz, not recognizing the, the, essential truths that if you are not pursuing truth and beauty and goodness sacrificially and leaning into that stuff with everything, including math, history, science, English, and economics and agriculture, you're screwed long-term and your children will pay for it. That's what we're waking up to now. People are sobering up. Okay. I want you to go to skytreebookfairs.org, skytreebookfairs.org. Get the PDF he's talking about, send it and share it with everybody, and then go to your school and see if you can you can get the Skytree Book Fairs uh, to come and, and do a book fair at your kid's school. It is important that we see these trusted brands that have long ago gone off the beaten path and gone their own way and are actually poisonous to our society and our kids. We have to see these brands for what they are. 
uh, and time is really running out. It's not too late, but it is uh, gravely urgent that you do this now. Skytreebookfairs.org. 